Hey everybody, Glenn Blakeney here of Kingdom Encounter Podcast. I just want to let you guys know about Anchor. It's the easiest way to make a podcast. I've been using it for quite some time now and I'm really convinced it's an awesome resource. It's absolutely free of charge. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast as well with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to the Kingdom Community Podcast. Many in the body of Christ long for authentic community and a spiritual family to belong to. We exist to connect, equip, and send you into the world to fulfill your destiny and advance the kingdom of God on earth. Now, enjoy today's show. Amen. Has anybody, uh, you know the old saying, you can't teach an old dog new, what? tricks right okay now how many in the house are not old dogs put your hand up okay you say I am not an old dog all right so that means you can learn some new things is that correct all right you so the Bible says that we need to be growing into grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ no matter how long we've known the Lord no matter how long we've been in church we can grow we can learn more and we can understand new uh the ways of the lord in a deeper way amen so we're going to look at something today i believe that for some of you you hear that that's me talking to you okay it's just that's a trick to get your attention all right uh so listen for some of you this may be new you may be some of you maybe never have heard before what i'm going to share today and if i share something that is biblical and you've never heard it before what does that mean to you what what does what is your responsibility the bible said not to be just what but doers we are to apply it to our lives amen but i want to talk to you literally about the a plan and purpose of god for your life why are you on the earth why are you here? Some people say, well, I really don't know. I'm hoping one day I'm going to go to heaven. Listen, if that's the way you're thinking, you're missing it. You're missing it. And it would be a very sad thing at the end of our life that we look back and go, man, I wasted years. Anybody ever waste any years? Okay, some days, months, years, doesn't matter. The Bible says in Joel 2.25, I will restore to you the wasted years. Come on now. I got a message on that that the Lord gave me years ago, and it's a powerful message. So there's no excuse for what we've wasted in, but because we, it's like, you know, Lord, I'll make it up to you. You can never make it up to God. You know, think about it. How can God restore our wasted years? Think about that. How do you go back and restore what you've wasted? It's impossible, but God is the God of the impossible. Humanly speaking, we cannot do it, but God said, I will restore to you. It's a big difference. Lord, I'm going to make it up to you. I should have never done that. I feel bad. And the Lord looks at it and goes, how are you going to do that? Just step into my grace. Step into your purpose, your identity. Man, I want you just to, to look at your neighbor and say, who do you think you are? <laughs> just look at your neighbor and do it with a great big smile, Okay. Do it with a smile and just say, who do you think you are? Now, some of you might be, have already said that this morning to your better half. I don't know. But, <laughs> all right. Now, you look back at your neighbor and say, I know who I am because I know whose I am. Okay. All right. 
Because you never know who you are until you know that you belong to him. You need to understand him. And I want to share some things about identity. I'm going to talk about identity, but I want to talk to you about God's original plan and purpose for not only you as an individual, but for his people. What we call the church, which we know, how many know the church is not the building, right? All right, I mean, we got Joe Denton here, and Joe's from Honduras. Uh, he's a missionary. He's part of the kingdom community as well, which is, we, we are just a, a people that are coming together from all over the world just to see the glory of God fill the earth and people come into that place of a real relationship with him. And, you know, where Joe is, there's really not many buildings, but they're out there worshiping God, encountering his presence. So it's not about the buildings. It's about the people. The church is the people of God. But it's not just the people that, that are just like, okay, hey, I, I know the Lord. I belong to him. The very term ecclesia in the New Testament language, there we go, Pastor, a little Greek word there, uh, literally means a people that have been called out and separated to bring forth God's purpose on the earth by, by decree, decreeing what heaven is saying and by implementing it. So that means that we need to be prophetic, meaning we need to hear what God is saying, what is the Lord saying to me? We know that through his word, through the scripture, but we also hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Do you believe that? How many know that God still talks? How many know that God is communicating his will and he wants you to hear his voice? He wants you to understand his ways. When he appeared to Saul on the road to Tarsus and he actually said that I've appeared to you and it says that you might hear, him, hear my voice, that you might see the Holy One, that you might know him, that you might hear his voice, and that you might see him. Come on, guys. Listen to me. It is natural for us to live supernaturally. The Bible says that when you were born again of the Spirit of God, that you became a partaker of the divine nature. It's in 2 Peter 1, 4. Then it says in, 1 John, in 1 John 3, 9 that it actually talks about how his nature is in us, Ephesians 4, 24. Now, if God's nature is in you, which it is according to the Scripture, how many know that God is supernatural and therefore if his nature is in us, it is only natural for us to be like him and to live supernaturally? It's powerful when you realize that we were created to live in his glory and to be sons and daughters of the Most High God. Let's start in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. This is the passage where Jesus had showed up and, you know, there's this young guy. We assume he was young. He was short. His name was Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus is hearing Jesus. He climbs up on the sycamore tree to listen to Jesus. And then his response to Jesus is basically, Lord, everything I've done wrong as a tax collector, I've stolen from people, I've taken and I've explored it. He said, I'm going to restore it. I'm going to do what is right. And Jesus responds and says, today salvation has come to this man. And he says this, because he himself is what? A son of Abraham. He is from the house of Israel. He is a son of Abraham, a true son of, Ab of, of Abraham. And then the Lord Jesus follows up with this verse, Luke 19, verse 10. He says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, some of the more modern translations uh, interpret this a little differently. They talk about the, how the Son of Man has come to seek and to save those that are lost. But just to really just be brief about this, when you study this in the original language and you break it down literally, the speaking of a person, the, the personal terminology is not inherent in this verse. But there is a reference to something impersonal that which was lost 
past tense. Now, if you were saying, you know, the Lord comes and Jesus' desire is to save people that are lost, right? He loves that. But look at this. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to seek. He came to say so-so. And he came to do what was lost. Now, very interestingly, the language speaks of something which was lost past tense. The word save in the Greek sozo carries the idea of being delivered from the evils which obstruct the reception of the Messiah's kingdom and deliverance. So the whole purpose of salvation, and we've been preaching about this all weekend, has to do with receiving the kingdom. You know, we, we talk about salvation and the good news that Jesus saves, and, and that's biblical. We understand that. But, you know, there's only one time in the entire New Testament where the gospel is referred to as the gospel of salvation. It's found in Ephesians 1, verse 13. But repeatedly, we read about the gospel being the gospel of the kingdom. Why? When you take refuge in the kingdom, you experience salvation. Now, let's just say you were in a country that is not your land of citizenship. It's not the place where you have legal rights. And something happened to you, and you were in grave danger, and you had to flee in order to find protection. Most likely, the place you're going to go to is the embassy of your nationality, of your citizenship. And once you step into that embassy and you were there, you are by law on the soil of that country of your origin, of your citizenship. And while you are there, you actually are finding refuge and protection. So we are called to be children of the kingdom. Colossians 1.13 says, When you are born of the Spirit of God, you are translated from the kingdom of Satan's domain into the kingdom of God's own Son. So we move out of darkness into the light. And when we come into the light, we experience salvation. When we come into God's kingdom, we now are the recipients of salvation. Just as when you step into that embassy, you experience protection, you experience provision, and you experience a way to, to be taken out of the adversity that you're going through, you come into the kingdom of God and you experience salvation. Salvation is the benefit of being in the kingdom of God, not the other way around. There is no salvation if you're not in the kingdom. And the more you learn to live in the kingdom of God, the more you will experience this great salvation that is available to you. The word salvation is soteria. Soteria literally speaks of healing, deliverance, protection, being rescued. But one of its deeper meanings, if you study this, means and speaks of freedom from the harassment of your enemy. Salvation. Jesus came to give us salvation. Today, salvation has come to this man, for he himself is what? A son of Abraham. Why? Because he's connected to God through the covenant of Abraham, which speaks of a kingdom. You come into the kingdom, you experience all that God has for you, and that salvation is healing, it is deliverance, it is protection. It can be used in different ways throughout the New Testament 
the word sozo, which is translated heal, it's translated to be delivered from demons, it's translated to be set free from tormenting thoughts, it's translated to be forgiven of your sins. There's so many different applications in the New Testament, but the gospel of the kingdom is the gospel of the king's dominion, that Jesus Christ is king of kings and lord of lords, that he is all power and authority, that you as a child of God, as a citizen of his kingdom, as a son of Abraham by virtue of the new covenant, have access to this kingdom. In this kingdom, you have soteria. You have healing, deliverance, protection, provision. Everything that God has promised to you. Well, I just thought it was pie in the sky and the sweet by and by. No. May his kingdom come. It's not the Lord's Prayer. Why do we call it the Lord's Prayer? It's the disciples' prayer. He said, in this manner, ought you to pray. As a disciple, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. They, what? Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God wants you to experience on earth as it is in heaven. So Jesus came to seek and to save. He came to, to recover. He came to allow us to once again rediscover that which was lost. As I said, the terminology speaks of being delivered from the evils which obstruct the reception of Messiah's kingdom and deliverance. God wants to remove every hindrance, every obstruction, anything that would protect, that would hinder you from experiencing the fullness of what is available to you because not of who you are, but because of whose you are. Because of what he did on the cross for you. He who knew no sin became sin, became a sin offering, that we might be made righteous. Righteous. And when you're righteous positionally, you will begin to live in righteousness practically. It's not a, a license for sin. Well, I'm forgiven, I'm righteous, I can live any way I want. That's not it's not biblical because the Bible says this in Philippians chapter 2 that when you are you really belong to God and his spirit is in you God works in you both to will and to do his good pleasure one translation says that God's power is at work in you giving you the desire and the ability to do what pleases him man you know so many people are, man I wish I could change I wish I could change. I wish I could just stop thinking this way. I, could, I would stop doing this, stop, stop abusing, stop using, whatever it is. And listen, guys, we don't understand who we are because we don't know who he is. And until we step into that place of knowing him, we'll never step into a place of freedom. So many people... Religious, go to church, do the right thing, but they don't know him. You know, Jesus said, it's in John chapter 5, to the Pharisees, the religious leaders, he said, you diligently study the scriptures. These scriptures testify of who I am, but you refuse to come to me that you might have life that you might have Zoe, as pastor was teaching. You study the scripture, Pharisees. Do you know that when a Pharisee was, when a young man was chosen to ultimately become a Pharisee, by the time he was 18 years of age, he had memorized the Torah Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Number, and Deuteronomy. By the time he was 30 years of age, he had memorized the Tanakh, the Old Testament. Many. There's a place, 
to study the word. Yes, study to show yourself approved unto God. But in all of that, you can still miss the author. Not know the God of the word, even though you know the word of God. Jesus said, the scriptures testify to who I am. You ever see these guys on the internet? Like they are here to tell us how wrong we are about everything we believe. I mean, they, they did a whole radio show on me. And, and they never once talked to me and asked me, who are you, what do you believe? They did a radio show, a podcast, pushed it out all over the world, said I'm a false teacher, I'm a false prophet, I believe this, that, and this, which I don't. And you know what it was over? Because I said God still does miracles today. And they connected me, I won't say any names, but they connected me to different individuals and said, well, Glenn is friends with this person and he's in cahoots with this person. I never met the, the individual in my life. That, that this individual put me up to producing a video series and teaching this in order to combat what John MacArthur was teaching. I'm like, what? What is this? What is this craziness? And there are people out there that can pick apart, you know, what we preach and, and, and they can say that's wrong and that's not biblical and they're mean and nasty people. They do not manifest the character, the humility, and the love of Jesus Christ. I believe in sound doctrine. I believe we need to be biblical in all that we do. But ultimately, we have to look at the fruit. How many of us got it all together? How many of us have all our T's crossed and all our I's dotted? I mean, we're still learning. We're still growing. And there's things that I used to believe that I no longer believe. And there's things I didn't believe that I now believe. But ultimately, I am in a process of becoming more and more like Jesus himself. One year ago and today, how have you become more like Jesus? You don't want to know what you were doing a year ago? How to know? Facebook memories. <laughs> on this day. Man, I had one the other day. It was on this day nine years ago. You know, and it was like, <laughs> but Lord, how have I changed? Unfortunately, some of us changed for the worse. Come on, you can't say amen. Say, Ouch. The job of the preacher is to what? Comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. Sometimes we need a little bit of affliction. How have we become more like Jesus? See, Jesus came not only to forgive us, but to restore those things that humankind forfeited as a result of the disobedience of the man and the woman in the garden. In other words, he came to reestablish God's original kingdom purpose, how to live in his kingdom. There, there are three main elements I just want to look at very quickly this morning. There's a lot I could say about this. I'm writing a book about it. And it's done, but the publisher hasn't got it released yet. But the point I'm trying to make here is we need to start off going back to the beginning, Genesis chapter 1, right? It talks about how God created humankind, the man and the woman, in his image and likeness. And he called them man. Male and female he created but he called them man. In Genesis 5, it actually says that the man and the woman are called Adam. Adam. Adama. And I want you to think about this. You say, I never knew that. I thought it was Eve. Yes, but Eve had a personal name. Adam had a name. Adam, literally in Hebrew, 
in Semitic language means from the red dirt. From the red dirt. And Adam was the name that was assigned to both of them, male and female, meaning they're from the human race. They're human beings. Okay? Mankind, in other words. So God creates the man and the woman in his image and likeness. They mess up, right? And it was brought to our attention on one of the sessions yesterday that on the day you eat of this fruit, you will what? Surely die. Now, they did not drop dead physically, but spiritually they died. They lost their spiritual life, the life of God. So he came to restore what was lost. First of all, we read in Genesis chapter 3, verse 18, that after they transgressed, they ate the fruit that was forbidden, that they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Now, think about this. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking. Now, I don't know about you, but if I heard some, you know, bushes moving or some trees, I, I would be like, what is that? How do you know what that is? Well, evidently, this wasn't the first time that God showed up in the garden because they, they heard the sound of the Lord God. There was a sound that was different. This was the sound of the Lord God. They'll be like, hang on, listen for a minute. What's that? That's not a cheetah. That's not a lion like in Zimbabwe or an elephant. Or, you know, that's not a monkey like in Honduras. That's not... That's not whatever y'all have around here. I know there's some crazy critters around here. <laughs> but that's not one of those, man. We know that sound. That sound is the sound of the Lord God walking in the cool of the day. So they're like, okay, God is here. But now what is their response Evidently, for the first time, they respond differently. They hide themselves behind the trees. Cover up. Later on, of course, we read that they sow together, they have sown together fig leaves, I think it's in the preceding verse, to try to cover their nakedness. But here they are in a place now where they feel repelled from the presence of God. Like, we, we can't come near Him now. We are... We are naked. We are ashamed. So what was lost initially was intimacy with God. Personal relationship with God. That was the first thing they lost. And then secondly, the Bible says that they were stripped of the glory of God. For all have sinned and what? Fall short of the glory of God, right? So here's Adam and Eve. Before they sinned, they, what was their, their, their wardrobe consisted of what? Not much. Okay, before they sinned. You know, you open my wife's closet. I mean, we've got a big old walk-in closet. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in there. You know what I'm talking about? Especially shoes, hello. Okay. Any men relate to that? Okay. So you go and you look, right? But Adam and Eve, they didn't have a wardrobe. <laughs> they had nothing, guys. They were naked. They were unashamed. But then when they sin, what happens? Cover up. Cover up. Why? Because I believe it says in, Genesis, it says in Psalm chapter 8, verse 5, that the man and the woman were crowned with glory and honor. The word crown means covered, it means to encompass, it means to encircle, and it can be used metaphorically of a garment. And of course, it can be used of a literal crown, but it, it means even to be encircled. For example, the same Hebrew word is used in the Old Testament when David and his men are hiding in the cave of Adullam and Saul sends out his armies and his armies surround David, it's the same Hebrew word that is translated crown in Psalm chapter 8, verse 5. Adam and Eve were 
covered. They were encompassed. It can mean metaphorically speak of clothing or garments with the glory, but after sin, they were stripped of their glory garments and they realized they were naked. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory. So Jesus comes to restore identity. You see, your identity is tied to who he is. Your identity is what Adam and Eve were created in his image and likeness. Salem and Demuth are the Hebrew terms. And it literally speaks of reflecting his likeness, who he is. You know, some kids, you look at your children, you can say they favor mom, they favor dad, sometimes a bit of both. But you know who they're like, right? And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 5 that when Adam and Eve had their son Seth, that he was made in the image and likeness of Adam and Eve. And it literally speaks of how we, the original creation, we are made not only, we remain in the image and likeness of God. We may favor our biological parents, but ultimately we favor the very person, the very image and likeness of God. But because of sin, we fall short of that. That image was marred. That image has been tarnished. But Jesus came to restore the divine image or the glory of God to his children. In John 17, 3, we've been going through this passage this whole weekend. We didn't plan on this, but all the different teachings and sessions have been touching on this chapter. John 17, Jesus' high priestly prayer. He's praying for himself. Then he prays for his disciples who were alive at that time. Then he prays for every person who will come to believe in him and be a disciple in the generations to come, even for you and me today. He prays for in John chapter 17. Powerful. Powerful. Y'all listening? Say, Jesus, pray for me. He prayed for you. How many know you need some prayer? Amen. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, I'm a mess. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, need, I need. Pray for me. <laughs> now look at your neighbor and say, I, I am a masterpiece. But I'm also a work in progress. <laughs> All right. Okay. Let's be humble, but let's know who we are as well, right? <laughs> We're a work in progress, but we are his masterpiece. Come on. Ultimately, so he came to restore intimacy. John 17, 3, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Listen, I want, I want you to hear this. That went, okay, listen, John 17, 3, say it with me. You ready? This is eternal life, that they may know you. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Okay. The word know in the Greek language is gnosko. Gnosko means to know personally and experientially. You can read a book and know the contents of the book, but you never know the author of the book. But that's not the word. It's not about intellectual knowledge it's not about an accumulation of more information, but it's about a personal experiential relationship. He came so that we might know God. Adam and Eve knew God. They knew the sound of the Lord God. You know what I'm saying? A baby, it's amazing. It doesn't take long for a baby to recognize the voice of mom, right? I mean, you know that baby is is sleeping and you hear the baby wake up and you, you're coming up the stairs or wherever from and you're calling out the name of the baby and you hear that baby start jumping up, <laughs> moving around or crying or whatever because he recognizes the voice of one of his parents and it's because of intimacy. It's because of time spent together that he becomes familiar. But you see, we, we don't know people unless we spend time with them. And, and this is what he's saying. This is eternal life. They may know you. They may experience you. They may have a relationship. Jesus came to restore that. Then secondly, John 17, 22, he came to restore identity. 
He says this, Father, he said, the glory that you have given me, I give to them, that they might be one, just as you and I are one. Did you hear that? He came to give us the glory. All right. Lastly, let me say this. He came to restore original destiny and purpose. Original destiny and purpose. In Genesis 1, 26 through 28, not only was Adam and Eve made in his image and likeness, but he gave them a commission to rule and to reign, to subdue the earth, to exercise authority over everything that was created. Of course, that was before there was sin. That was before there was sickness. That was before the enemy had, had, had done his work in, in possessing people. So here, later on, Jesus kind of ups the ante, and he says, I've given you power and authority to heal the sick, to cast out demons, to preach the gospel, to set the captives free. I've given you power and authority to do these things. And let me just say unequivocally, that was not given just to a few select individuals like they're the special forces or something to speak. I'm telling you that this is the call that he's given to all of his disciples. So... You know who you are because you know whose you are. You know who you are because you know him. And when you know him, you know who you are. You know, here, here's the way it works. Let me give you an illustration. It's very practical and it's biblical. In the Gospel of John, there are seven notable miracles. Remember in the 21st chapter, John says this, that if every miracle Jesus ever performed was written down and recorded, even the whole world couldn't contain the books that would be written. Do you remember that? Come on. Wrap your mind around that. Try to. Okay. So there's these seven notable, monumental miracles that are recorded in John, but they're certainly not an all-inclusive list. There's also seven times. Seven is the number of what? Completion. There you go. Seven is the number of completion. Seven times in the Gospel of John, we hear this statement. You ready? The disciple whom Jesus loved. Whoa. The disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, anybody happen to know who that disciple was? John. And who wrote the book? John. So John's writing seven times the disciple whom Jesus loved. You know, I went to a conference once and I was speaking on the subject of identity and we had to wear name tags. Remember name tags? Stick them on, they never stay on, right? And, and you know, I put down my name, Glenn. Underneath I put Father's Favorite. And I walk up to people, introduce myself and people would look at, I'd say, hi, my name's Glenn. And they go, what? Father's favorite? And I said, yeah, I am. I'm the disciple whom Jesus loves. <laughs> he loves you too, but I know it. Maybe I know it more than you do. And because I've come to realize who I am because I know whose I am, I don't need the accolades of men. I don't need to seek after approval notoriety, recognition. I crave no human honor. I seek no mortal fame. I just need to be faithful to my Father. I just need to be faithful to Him because He created me in His image and likeness and to share in His glory. And He called me by His name and He said, You are my Son in whom I'm well pleased. And I want you to know this morning that you were created and are created in his image and likeness. And sin has destroyed the communion. And sin has cut off the flow of that love and that grace and the glory. But God wants to restore it to you. He wants to set you free. He wants to deliver you. But it will come through an identification revelation. You need to know him. And then as you know him, this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you said. So this disciple whom Jesus loves is John. Come on now. What would you, you say to John? <laughs> John, who do you think you are? You know, braggadocio. I mean, 
Who are you? The disciple whom Jesus loved. You think you're better than the rest of us, right? And John said, no, I'm not saying I'm any better. He loves you too, but I just happen to know it. And here's the reason why I know it. The last example and the last time that phrase is used is found in the very final chapter of the Gospel of John, chapter 21. And we have a snapshot that gives us the reason why John knew he was so loved. See, when you know the Father loves you and you're beloved of Him, you don't have to worry about what other people think. And I'm not just talking about, oh, yeah, He loves me, you know, kind of He loves me, He loves me not. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about knowing Gnosko experientially, personally. You can say what you want. You can do what you please. It's not going to change me. Not going to change my day. Not going to change my ministry. Not going to stop me from loving you. It's not going to stop me from preaching like Bishop. He gets robbed. He gets beaten. Him and his wife in, uh, in Africa left for dead. And what did the enemy try to do? Don't you go back to America, Bishop. Because when you go back to America, people thought you, got a, you were rich because you were in America. When you came back to Africa, they set you up. They were waiting for you. They did a home invasion. Beat him. Left him for dead. He could have died and his wife. And what's the enemy trying to do? Intimidate him. Shut him down. Why? He does not want him to fulfill his calling and go to the nations of the world. But here's Bishop back in America. Come on. Welcome, sir. And you see, he knows who he is. He didn't, he didn't have no issues with those guys. He forgave them. He prayed for them. You see, the point is... This disciple whom Jesus loves, the very last example of this, John has his head on Jesus' chest. John is leaning on Jesus' breast. That's what it says. Can you imagine your ear against his chest hearing the heartbeat of the Son of God? That's how up close and personal he wants to be with you. Keep away from me. Security team, come on now. You know what I'm saying? Jesus was up front and personal, up close. And what happens, the disciple whom Jesus loved, why did John know he was loved? Because he knew Jesus. Because of his intimacy with Jesus, the Son of God. You know, I believe Jesus spoke to John favorably. I believe Jesus told him he loved him. I believe Jesus. But even if he didn't, there was something that was released that was imparted. Listen, guys. The enemy wants you to be contained and restrained. And one of the greatest ways he does that is by challenging the reality of your identity. When Jesus came out of, he was baptized in the river Jordan. And what did the father say when Jesus was baptized? This is my beloved son identity with whom I'm well pleased. Right? And then what did the devil say? If you are the Son of God, right? If you are. I mean, what do you mean, if I am? Like, there's no question about it, devil. And you want to listen to me. You need to understand whose you are. You need to understand whose you are. No questions about it. You belong to God or you belong to the devil. To whom do you belong this morning? To whom do you belong? He who sins is of the devil. If you belong to him, you may mess up, but it's not going to be habitual. And when you mess up, you're going to feel bad about it because it's not natural for you to live in sin when you're in the new covenant because his nature is in you. Who do you belong to this morning? 
Do you know him? Do you know that you belong to him? That you are a child? Or do you walk in his glory? Do you understand you were created in his image and likeness? And what is he called you to do? Out of intimacy and out of identity, you will know your purpose. You will know your destiny. He will speak to you and he will show you what he's called you to do with your life. I could say so much more, but I'm going to stop right there. Let's stand together, please. Let me just pray for you. And we're going to just minister to you for a few moments before, before we let you go home. We don't want to rush what the Holy Spirit wants to do right now. Come on, every head bow and every eye closed for a moment. Right now, as we are in the presence of the King, as we are standing here, Jesus himself, the book of Revelation says he walks among the lampstands. Jesus himself is here this morning. He's here. He's here to reconnect with you. He's here to forgive you. He's here to heal you. He's here to restore you. But he wants more than anything a relationship with you. He loves you, his sons, his daughters. He wants that relationship with you. And out of that place of ongoing intimacy and communion, you will see the glory of God restored. You will begin to overcome. You will begin to change. You'll be transformed. And it's not going to be by human effort. It's not going to be, but, but it's going to be the Spirit of God working in you, giving you not only the desire, but the power to do what pleases Him. Because that's grace. That's real grace. Real grace changes your heart. Real grace changes your desires and your affections. And God wants to give you His desires and His affections. He wants you to share Him, His nature. God wants to restore you. He wants to send you out. He wants you to live intentionally on your kingdom, in your kingdom assignment on the earth. If you're here this morning, guys, I want to pray for you. And I want to challenge you to make this your life decision. This is your great, this is the best moment of your life right now. If you don't know Jesus Christ, if you've not really been walking with the Lord Jesus Christ, this is your final opportunity for some of you. I'm telling you, I don't even know why I said that, but I just felt that just came out of my mouth. And I want you to understand this is your opportunity. This is your time right now. This is your time. God is waiting. Will you give your life to him? If you have never given your life to Jesus, I want you to come forward this morning. Come forward this morning. We're going to pray for you. If you've been playing with the world, if you've been flirting with the world, one foot in the world, one foot in the kingdom, it's time to surrender completely this morning and give it all to Jesus. You will know such peace and joy when you let it go and you give it all to Jesus. I want to invite you to come as well, and we're going to pray for you. If you're here you just say, I want to give my life completely to the Lord Jesus Christ. We want to pray for you. We want to pray for you. Just come. Just come. Just come forward this morning. We want to pray for you. Come. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Your Father's here to embrace you. Father God, He's a good, good Father. He's a good, good Father. Just come right now. We're going to pray for you. Minister to you. You need deliverance. You need healing. You've been struggling with your identity. Any of this resonates with you. Just come, please. Just come. Just come. Bless you guys. I'm going to ask our pastors that are here. My wife, Lynn, she's also a pastor to come and just minister to you guys. This is the Bell's... This is the, the most beautiful time of your life right now, I believe, for some of you. This is a season and a time of breakthrough. A season and a time of breakthrough. God bless you. God bless you. I want you to pray with me. In just a moment, I want some of you guys to pray with me. Yeah, bless you guys. Thanks for coming forward. Keep coming. Just come up and make a straight line, please. Thank you. Just keep, come up. Come on now. These men and women of God here, pastors, you begin to minister to these people. We love you guys. God loves you so much. Your father loves you so much. 
Let it go. Let go of bitterness. Let go of pain. Let go of unforgiveness right now in Jesus' name. Come on, let's just begin to worship him. Let's just begin to worship him. Come on, everybody in this building right now, let's just begin to worship him. Come on. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Worship Yes, Lord, have your way. Have your way, Jesus. Healing, deliverance. Healing and deliverance in Jesus' name. I hear the Lord say to somebody, you've, you've, been, you've been praying about, about carrying a child, carrying a child, and there's even been miscarriage in the past. And God wants you to know that you will carry. You will carry. You will carry to completion. You will carry in Jesus' name. We command it to come to pass. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Healing. In Jesus' name. Restoration. In Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come right now. Holy Spirit, minister to your children. Minister to your children, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for tuning in to the Kingdom Community Podcast. To learn more about us, including how to connect with our Kingdom Community, please visit our website, kingdomcommunity.global. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts so other listeners like you can be encouraged. We really appreciate that effort, and we hope you will join us again in the next episode of the Kingdom Community Podcast. DoorDash helps you make cash fast. All you need is your bike and a smartphone. The sign-up process is super quick and easy. Now you get to choose your own hours and be your own boss. And best of all, you get to keep 100% of your tips. Download the DoorDash driver app today to get started.